the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Josh Pick is the Chief Investment Advisor with Aptus Wealth Management, a state-registered investment advisory firm. This program is sponsored by Aptus Wealth Management. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell financial vehicles. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with professionals to see if any ideas expressed would fit their specific situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Securities can fluctuate and when redeemed may be more or less than when originally invested. Welcome to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. Every week, Josh will teach you ways to help manage, risk, and protect your retirement income in the new economy. The primary focus at Aptus Wealth is to provide flexible planning strategies that can efficiently achieve your long-term retirement goals. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Hope you're having a great weekend. You can also hear Josh every Monday with Bruce Hooley at 6 p.m. for Money Mondays on 98.9 The Answer. And you can also listen on your own time. You can find that interview on Josh's website, aptuswealth.com. Josh, Governor DeWine first declared a state of emergency on March 9th, 2020, meaning it has now been just over a year since everything changed because of COVID. When you take a look back at the last year, what are the biggest biggest things that have changed for retirees? Well, some of the things were already kind of underway that, that impacted retirees that got exacerbated by all these changes through COVID. For example, we were already in an incredibly low interest rate environment, which made it a challenge for people who were near or entering retirement to find safe money uh, solutions, meaning we don't want to play with the stock market for the rest of our lives. The closer and closer we get to retirement, or if we're already in retirement, we want to have less volatility. Well, as interest rates are really, really low, that, that's a challenge. Well, COVID lowered our interest rates even lower than that, so it exacerbated an already existing problem. The same thing is true about you know the potential risk for inflation. Many people were concerned as they entered retirement that inflation in the long run might become an issue because our deficit spending was so significant over the last, you know, it's been going on for a really long time. But then enter in, you know, all the, the stimulus packages, spending, et cetera, and we've added trillions of dollars to the already many, many trillion dollar deficit. So uh, that concern of inflation seems to be increasing, uh, which when you have low interest rates, high market volatility, and high inflation, that makes financial planning for retirement income a significant challenge. But something that was even closer to home, so let's talk about people that aren't even, you know, maybe they were five, six, seven years out for retirement. Uh, a lot of people's jobs were displaced. People were furloughed, et cetera. Some of those jobs never came back. And uh, when you have an economy where jobs are not readily available and you're, let's say, f- you know, three, four, five years away from retirement, obviously you're older in your career, Sometimes, or what we're at least seeing statistically, uh, it's difficult to replace the job that you lost. So you're, you're now stuck in this scenario for many people where they have less retirement assets and no ability to go make the income that they were once making before. Maybe they've replaced that job, but not with one that was quite as profitable. So if you can imagine, Diane, you have somebody who's you know five years out from what they believe will be a very rosy retirement, 
they were furloughed. They're now making, let's say, you know, two-thirds or half as much as they were before. Obviously, their nest egg in five years is going to be less. They're coming off the longest bull run in the history of the stock market, followed by incredible volatility, followed by it launching back up again. They want to pull some of those gains potentially off of the table, put it in safe money assets, but we're in a, in a potentially rising interest rate environment, which is bad for bonds. Uh, it doesn't mean there aren't other fixed alternatives out there, but bad for bonds. So what do I do? What do I do with my money? And I'm very concerned. I can't just put it under the mattress because it looks like if we keep spending the way we've been spending, uh, we could have a very significant inflation problem. And now I have even a longer potential retirement because I, I was, quote, forced into early retirement, uh, even though I didn't want to be in that situation. So I think, you know, we have this kind of perfect storm of volatility, low interest rates, and uh, not having the ability to make the choice. There's some very significant challenges facing people today that while they were faced with them before, they're by a significant uh, order of magnitude more today. And looking forward, you know, are you considering COVID or let's say a resurgence when people are planning their retirements? Should they be obviously take that into consideration? I don't know that we necessarily should be concerned about, you know, the next pandemic or a resurgence. But I think what it did teach us is that many people um, believed that having safe money or emergency funds wasn't nearly as important as clearly it can be. Uh, The pandemic or COVID or whatever we want to call it was, in my world, what we call a black swan event. And there is no clearer example of a black swan than COVID. Black swan meaning something that you could have never predicted, um, that there's no way you're ever going to know when it hits. It's not like the financial crisis where people could have predicted the financial crisis. Uh, Matter of fact, you know, there's a movie based upon it called The Big Short. It doesn't mean that a lot of us didn't get caught kind of with our, you know, our pants down when that happened. But uh, COVID, who could have predicted? So unless you had uh, reserves, cash reserves or a plan in the event that something like this occurred, Uh, There's no way you could have been prepared. So I think moving forward, we don't know if it's going to be another pandemic or who knows what it's going to be, but we better be prepared uh, to handle an emergency type situation, both, you know, with our families, with our jobs, but definitely with our money. You're listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. To schedule your own planning session and learn new strategies to manage risk, call Josh at Aptus at 614-364-7300. 614-364-7300. Josh, thanks for taking a look back at that last year. Let's turn our focus to the future. Tax day is approaching. What are some smart things uh, to have on the to-do list in the next month? Well, there's still some things you can do to lower your tax liability. The two biggest ones that would kind of come to mind or right off the top of my head would be IRA contributions and HSA contributions. HSAs, for those of you who don't know these acronyms, HSA stands for Health Savings Account. Anybody that has, quote, a high deductible health care plan can contribute to a health savings account. And a health savings account is essentially for your use, whatever is the way you see fit, towards any health care costs. And that money does, in fact, roll over. So it's not like a flexible spending account where you either use it or you lose it. It continues to grow tax deferred. And as long as you use those dollars for qualified health care expenses, they are yours to take tax free. These are not limited by income or anything like that, and the, and the amount that you can contribute can be quite significant if you're a family. Um, so I highly recommend you get those in, and you have all the way until April 15th to do it. Now, the huge benefit to HSAs, and some people call them kind of the hidden IRA, 
is that in the event in the future that you don't end up using it, it effectively works just like an IRA. You have to pay taxes on the money, but you can utilize it. Um, so definitely get those in. IRAs are a little bit trickier in that there are some income thresholds. Uh, if you make too much money and you have a company plan, you don't really get the tax deductibility today to put the money into an IRA. But if you do fall into the appropriate criteria, um, you can write off those contributions just like you contributing to your 401k, et cetera. So those are two ways to really lower your taxes. But I don't think the unfortunate part, Diane, is everybody wants to talk about taxes in March and in April. When in reality, um, whomever uh, people are listening to or working with, whether it's their accountant or their financial planner, should really be having these conversations with them in December. And the reason December is so important is because there's a lot of things that you can get done that can make a very significant impact over the remainder of your retirement, your retired life, but you can't do them after the end of the year. That year is already over. And in December, you already have a pretty good idea what your income is going to be for the year. So it's the perfect time to do the planning because you start doing math and you say, you know, does a, uh, I know we've talked a lot on this show about Roth IRA conversions. You don't do a Roth IRA conversion in January, you do it in December. So did that make sense? Well, too late now. Now we have to only worry about 2021 conversions as opposed to 2020. So uh, charitable contributions, another one. And the list kind of goes on. There's a lot of things you can do in 2020 to benefit your, your 2020 taxes. There's much fewer things you can do in 2021 to benefit your 2020 taxes. So important moving forward to start doing these things in December rather than waiting until March, April. So just a, a little takeaway, but definitely take a look at your HSA and IRA contributions. And so with charitable contributions, you don't have until, because I think a lot of people think that they have until April 15th to make contributions, whether it be charitable or to their IRA. To your IRA, you have the opportunity to contribute all the way until April 15th. But with your charitable contributions, for the most part, with very few exceptions, um, you would have to make those contributions the year prior. So uh, let me give you an example. If uh, you wanted to do what's called a qualified charitable contribution, you can get take your, this wasn't a big issue in 2020, but let's look at 2021. If you have to take minimum required distributions, and it's money that you would prefer not to take, and you don't, when you do regular charitable contributions, you don't necessarily get the benefit of doing them because you don't meet the itemized deduction limit, you can gift your required minimum distribution directly to the institution you want to give it to, the church, uh, St. Jude, whoever your, uh, your pension is for giving to. You can give it directly, and it's like it never occurred. So it's a tax-free contribution. But that has to be given in the year that your taxes are actually due in, not in the year that you file your taxes. So you really need to get as much as you can possibly get done in the year that you want it that, that you're, the year in question for those taxes prior to January 1. Now, I give this disclaimer with obviously everybody's situation is different and there's a lot of things that you can do and you should check with your tax professional or call my office and we can help you walk through the steps to do it. But in general, uh, you want to get everything done in December. And you, speaking of tax experts, you are a one-stop shop in terms that you can refer people to proper tax people or work with their existing people they work with. Yeah, as a matter of fact, we used to actually own a tax practice uh, here in-house, and I've since sold it. And the reason that we did that is everybody's tax situation is a little bit different. And if you have a very simple tax situation, but you don't want to do it yourself, uh, I want to be able to send you to the person who's going to be the least expensive for you that will still do a tremendous job for you. On the other hand, if your situation is very complicated, 
and you need, let's say, not only just an accountant, but maybe a tax attorney would serve you well, we can refer you directly to the tax attorney, which is more applicable to your situation. So we stepped back from the in-house tax scenario so that we could farm out uh, your case based upon what's best for you. But we work with all of those folks all the time. I just heard about a tax consultant today. So uh, accountant and a tax consultant. Yeah, there's a bunch of different, you know, it's kind of like if you ask me what I am, technically I'm an investment advisor, but people will use almost interchangeably financial advisor, investment advisor, financial planner, uh, you know, registered rep, all these different terms. The same thing is true in the in the uh, tax world. A financial consultant is typically someone that somebody is referencing that has the ability to do individual tax returns, but is not a CPA, an enrolled agent, or a tax attorney. So it's, think of, uh, you know, if you went to an H&R Block or something like that, and not picking on them at all, but uh, that would be more than likely a tax consultant. Okay. To schedule an appointment to go through the Aptus Blueprint process, and for those new listeners that are just joining us, can you quickly go through the Aptus Blueprint process that you take new clients through, Josh? Yeah, absolutely. It's a four-step process. Uh, step number one, we just want to find out everything about you. Uh, how much are you saving into your 401k? Do you have a savings account? Do you have second homes or even a primary home? All of these questions, just taking inventory of what you have thus far and finding out where you want to go. All, you know, any kind of crazy idea that you have along with just the general retirement ideas, we want to get them all down. And then in meeting two, we're going to analyze that information and see, are you on track? Are you going to hit the target that you were hoping with what you're currently doing? And then identify some maybe bumps in the road that could get in your way to the retirement that you want. And we'll cover those bumps in the road in meeting number three. We call it our blueprint. And it's just that. It is a blueprint for your uh, retirement income planning needs. Make sure that we have everything covered and make sure we've analyzed risk, et cetera. list goes on. And then in meeting four and not until meeting four, Will we decide if this is a mutually beneficial relationship that we should carry forward and work together? Um, I don't know if uh, what that answer will be, but I can guarantee you that through the process, you will learn a tremendous amount and add some uh, comfort and solidarity to your retirement picture. Josh's number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. You're listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. More when we come back. We'll be back with more at the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick at 98.9 The Answer. To create a successful retirement plan in today's economy, it takes a customized, solutions-based approach. At Aptus Wealth Management, founder Josh Pick calls it the Aptus Blueprint, and it's focused on managing risk instead of chasing returns. If you're working with another advisor or simply want a second opinion, put his team to work for you. To schedule a complimentary consultation to learn more about the Aptus Blueprint process, contact Josh at 614-364-7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. There is no cost or obligation, but space is limited. To start your plan, call 614-364-7300. 7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. Josh, what are some expenses retirees might be able to eliminate to trim the fat of expenses in, in, in retirement? Trim the fat. Uh, one of the biggest ones I think that I see consistently is insurance. Um, and by insurance, I mean all types of insurance. In other words, uh, most people that work as a W-2 employee for some organization will have some sort of long-term disability plan. 
Well, if you're 66 years old and still working and working because you want to, not because you have to, do you really need a long-term disability plan at that point? How expensive right? is, is long-term disability expensive at that age? Well, it's not necessarily an age-based thing. It can be expensive in general because it depends on the, on the employer that you work for and how much uh, insurance you have. So it, it's based uh, upon... You know, if you're making, if your long-term disability coverage is 6000 a month versus 2000 a month, obviously it's more expensive. So one thing you should look at is long-term disability. The other thing, life insurance. You bought this term life insurance policy that you've been paying on because you wanted to replace your income for your beneficiaries in the event that you were to pass away prematurely. If you already have the assets that you were trying to replace, do you need to continue to pay for that replacement? Maybe, maybe not. It's up to you, but it's something you should at least evaluate. Uh, product warranties, another one that I see all the time. People have you know, warranties on all sorts of things, which is essentially insurance. Do you need it? Yes or no? You know, that's something you need to evaluate, but at least take a, a peek at it. I mean, there's critical illness insurance, which is another type of, I don't want to call it life insurance, a type of uh, ancillary health insurance benefit. You have you know, dental and vision policies. Do you need them to be as robust as maybe they are? The takeaway here is constantly be reevaluating your insurance because let's not lose sight of what insurance is. Insurance is protection. You're paying for something that you hope to never have to use to protect a need that you currently have. Well, if you no longer have that need, there is no point in throwing money down the drain. But oftentimes we just set up these insurance plans and we ignore them. And you should constantly be reevaluating them. You'll find oftentimes, you know, even with, with life insurance in my office, oftentimes we will rerun life insurance policies for people who even still need them. And oftentimes we can drastically lower their premiums because mortality tables have changed, the way we view certain illnesses have cha changes over the years. So we can drastically reduce people's life insurance costs all the time. The problem would be not reevaluating it. So constantly take a not constantly but i would say once a year at least once every couple of years you should be taking a look at all the insurances that you have and see if you still need them and you should be paying for them it's an easy way to trim fat obviously working with us we're going to do it every year anyway so you don't even have to do it and we'll just show you how you can potentially save some money perfect that's what i was going to ask you we can go over all of this with you that's why like, Diane always goes, how can I do this as easy as possible? Yes. <laughs> how can I make you do it? It's too well, much. good news. Uh, that's why we get paid. We'll do it for you. <laughs> I love it. You're listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. To schedule your own planning session and learn new strategies to manage risk, call Aptus at 614-364-7300. The number again is 614-364-7300. And Josh's website is aptuswealth.com. Com. Josh, we've talked about how the infamous 4% rule may be kind of a thing of the past. Is this is the real benchmark percentage for annual withdrawals is in retirement higher than that or, or lower? First, let's address, so the four, Diane, you're talking about the 4% rule, which is kind of, it was started by this guy, I, I never know how to pronounce his name, I believe it was Bengen or Benjen, um, and essentially what he did was an analysis of a 50-50 portfolio. It was 50% large cap stocks, and 50% intermediate term bonds. And the analysis was done that how much can I withdraw from my portfolio as a percentage to satisfy a 25-year retirement? So I retire at 65. I want to make sure that my portfolio will adjust for inflation, meaning that I'm going to need more money 20 years from now per year than I need today because stuff costs more. 
but I also want to make sure that I'm not broke at age 88. I wanted to make it all the way to age 90. And what he determined was that the safe way to do that was something called the 4% rule or only withdraw 4%. Now, to call it a rule, I think, is a little bit of a misnomer. I think it should be called a guide because it's not really a rule because then he goes on further to explain that there's all these other different variables that could change that. And how many people actually put 50% of their money purely in large company stocks and 50% exactly in intermediate term bonds? He has since come back and said, we have other challenges. And this was um, also uh, reiterated by um, another gentleman from the American College and also by the New York Institute for Income, where they say, well, it depends. Now, uh, what if interest rates are really low? What if volatility picks up? What if, what if? And they start throwing all these what ifs in there. Well, now it doesn't sound so much like a rule as maybe a good starting point to benchmark off of. Um, He's actually come out later and said, it looks like it should be more like 5%. And the reason that it should be more like 5% is because we have really, really low inflation today. Well, if it's really, really low inflation, then we don't have to accommodate for that inflation over time so we can take out more. Ultimately, Diane, what's important is that based upon your situation, your investment tolerance your market volatility, where interest rates are at the time when you retire, what taxes look like, et cetera. You have to add all these things together. How much of your income is being generated from your investment portfolio versus being generated from Social Security pensions, et cetera. There's a lot of ingredients in this soup, and it's not just 4% off of the pot. It It doesn't necessarily make sense. So you have to do a lot of analysis to determine what makes sense for you. There's many, many times, Diane, I've had people taking even north of 5% out of their portfolio, and it, it works perfectly fine, and it's lasted for you know many, many, many years, and it doesn't look like that's going to come, uh, you know, it's not going to run aground because we've taken positions to hedge our bets to make sure that even if the market pulls back, we have positions to accommodate for that volatility. So uh, again, that 4% rule to answer your question, it's a great benchmark. It's a great guide. Don't live and die by it. Analyze your situation. We'll help you do it. And uh, you should be able to live on more than that if we play our cards right. And the important thing to note is if you're reading the news and and people mention this 4%, everyone is individual, as you mentioned. The important thing is to talk to a fiduciary about your situation and don't just kind of paint your retirement with the same brush as as what the media is saying. Yeah, you know, the media is trying to get clicks. Everyone except us. uh, Let's just differentiate here. Right, right. (laughs) And, you know, I even saw an article not too long ago. Uh, well, I guess it's been a couple of years now. But it, it, the article was the death of the 4%. So we can't even take 4% out anymore. And, and I remember uh, one of the comments on that was, now, wait a second. You know, I'm not really good at math. But if I look at 3%, even if I don't earn any interest, that, that'll last me over 33 years. So how can it only last 25? That's a lot of inflation and zero interest rate or zero gain on my money. And that's true, but we're all looking for that magic bullet, the, uh, you know, what pill will make me lose weight and what's the rule of finance and what's the, and we all know it's a little bit more complicated than that. And this is no exception. It's based upon your individual scenario. We need to take a little bit deeper look, but uh, don't live and die by the death, by the 4% rule. Everybody's individualized. So when people are looking for an advisor, let's talk about, because we hear the word fiduciary, let's talk about how important that is to be working with someone who is a fiduciary such as yourself. I think it's critically important. Um, you know, my grandfather always said, well-built fences make for great neighbors. And I think this is a perfect case for that. It's not to say that uh, brokers can't be tremendous financial uh, advisors to their clients. 
But what it does mean is that if you're a broker versus a fiduciary, you have the ability or you have the latitude to make uh, maybe some decisions that aren't necessarily as good for your client as they are for you. And when you work with a fiduciary, you know a couple of things. You know, number one, that they've got uh, a tremendous amount of education, background, and experience behind them. And you also know uh, that they're on the same side of the table as you are because they cannot be disproportionately compensated for one product over the other. So if they give you advice, know that it's because they believe it will make you more money, in turn making them more money. They don't make any more money unless you do. So there's, there's no... Uh, there's no nonsense happening there where they go, well, maybe I can just trim a little bit of money out of their portfolio and make some money because I'm having a light month. That is just purely impossible on the fiduciary side. So I think it's critically important that you go that direction if you're looking for a financial professional. And the advice is also to just ask directly, are you a fiduciary? Absolutely. Yeah, I think when you're talking about your money, money that you've saved your entire life, and you're trying to make decisions that will impact the remainder of your life, uh, in a very significant way. There should be no questions off the table. Absolutely ask, are you a fiduciary? Ask, uh, you know, how much experience do you have? How do I look you up to make sure that there's no, you know, just find out as much as you can about uh, the person that you're going to work with. And if that person doesn't give you a response uh, that's very direct and point you in the right direction to find out the information, that's probably not a good sign. And is there a website that people can go to to research advisors? Absolutely. We're all regulated by uh, the SEC and or FINRA. Um, and there's, you know, FINRA.org. You can do a lookup of advisors. The SEC, you can do the same thing. Something that I'll, anytime I meet with a, a potential new client and they want to look it up, I'll, I'll gladly point them in the right direction, send them the link. And what information is on there? It will just say whether you're a fiduciary or not. Is there somewhere where we could get reviews or things like that? That's a great question. And that's one of the reasons why, um, I think it's important to look people up there versus maybe even the Better Business Bureau. And the reason for it is when you're regulated by these agencies, if somebody ever makes a claim against you, and by a claim I mean, uh, you know, this advisor did me wrong, that will be absolutely investigated, and the findings of that investigation will be published, and it is part of that person's record forever. So it's not... Uh, you know, you had a disenfranchised client who, or, or a friend that just, uh, you became not friends. He wasn't even one of your client. He goes online and says, you know, uh, Diane is the worst uh, realtor ever in the world. Well, well we could have used you any... as an example there instead, Josh. Well, I was going to use you. I mean, I'm going to throw you under the bus. All right. Tonight. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, that's never investigated. So the question is, was it just somebody who was trying to damage your reputation or was it a legitimate claim? When it comes to FINRA and the SEC, rest assured that they will absolutely investigate it and they will find out if it's a legitimate claim and post the findings. So I, I highly recommend that people look uh, their potential or current financial advisor up that way. And is it standard practice to ask for reviews or recommendations? Uh, not everybody, but is it uncommon? Absolutely not. Am I happy to provide them? Of course. Let me give you Josh's number, the Aptus Wealth Management Office number, so you can schedule your own personalized planning session. We call it the Aptus Blueprint Process, is the process that Josh will take you through. It's a four-step process. The number is 614-364-7300, 614-364-7300. Also, Josh's website is aptuswealth.com. It is spelled A-P-T-U-S, the word wealth, 
Com. And you can also join Josh every Monday for Money Mondays with Bruce Hooley, 6 p.m. every Monday on 98.9 The Answer. Again, the website, in case you missed that conversation, it will be posted on Josh's website at aptuswealth.com. More of the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick when we come back. We'll be back with more at the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick at 98.9 The Answer. To create a successful retirement plan in today's economy, it takes a customized, solutions-based approach. At Aptus Wealth Management, founder Josh Pick calls it the Aptus Blueprint, and it's focused on managing risk instead of chasing returns. If you're working with another advisor or simply want a second opinion, put his team to work for you. To schedule a complimentary consultation to learn more about the Aptus Blueprint process, contact Josh at 614-364-7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. There is no cost or obligation, but space is limited. To start your plan, call 614-364-7300. 7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. Josh, owning investment property in retirement can be a great way to add additional income stream, passive income, but you've also worked with people who feel that, that the juice isn't worth the squeeze when it comes to that. I would say that this particular question is one that I get almost more often than, I mean, it's, it's got to be in the top three. And the reason is, is very clear. We all know people who have done very, very well in real estate. And we very often forget about the people who haven't necessarily done as well in real estate. But the reason real estate is such an attractive option, an appealing option, is obviously you can, you know, you can see it, you can touch it. We all uh, live in a house or we own a house or an apartment or, or some sort of real estate. So it's something that we, see, we seem to be very familiar with. On top of that, there are tremendous tax advantages to owning investment real estate. Um, there's depreciation tax allotments. You can get leverage, meaning you can buy a piece of real estate with much less money than it actually costs by getting a loan from the bank. Obviously, interest rates are incredibly low, so you can borrow that money at next to nothing. So all of the appeals to real estate are very clear. Uh, you know, you can get pass- passive income in the way of rents over time on something that you've leveraged up that has huge tax benefits. That said, the flip side of that uh, is it could take a tremendous amount of time, number one, finding the piece of property that makes sense. And buying right is just as important as deciding you want to get an in investment real estate for sure. You got to get the right property that's going to cash flow for you. That isn't as simple as just going, yeah, I decided I'm going to buy a piece of property today that's going to cash flow, give me a thousand bucks a month. It takes some work. So you got to find somebody to, to either help you or you got to put in the work. Secondly, um, because you are taking on that leverage, in the event that you can't get a tenant, not only are you going to have to, uh, you're no longer just getting a cash flow from it. Now you have to pay it back. So let's compare this and contrast it to a, to a stock that's paying a dividend, for example. Well, we know dividends are great. And you know, let's say I'm getting a 5% dividend. Yay me. Uh, dividends don't go negative. Uh, in, an, in a rental property, they theoretically could, meaning that the company has decided they're no longer going to pay dividends. Uh, not only that, you have to pay the company 5% per year to, to pay back this uh, quasi-loan uh, in the way of dividends. Maybe a bad example, but a takeaway here is what was once a cash flowing property that's generating income for you could very easily shift sides on the balance sheet and become 
a bill that you have to pay for a, maybe a short, maybe a long period of time. So that's a huge risk. And we saw this back during you know, uh, the 2008-2009 area and that property values went down. Uh, people were highly leveraged and people weren't paying their rents. Well, now you have a property that you can't sell for what you paid for it. You potentially have a mortgage for more than it's worth. You're paying a bill on something that's not even worth as much as you owe on it. And how do you get out of it without wrecking your credit? So there are some risks on both sides. And, and bear in mind, I'm talking about the pros and the cons here. I think, uh, you know, I have a tremendous amount of clients, Diane, who have done incredibly well in real estate. Um, I'm a huge fan of real estate. You just don't go in uh, blind, uncautiously. Yeah, don't go in blind because it can it's not as simple as lo losing the money that you already have invested. It can be a, a hole that you're consistently throwing money into that can be quite crippling. But it can also be one of the best passive tax advantaged cash flow product, uh, uh, you know, investments on the planet. So I, you know, I see people on both sides just uh, come and get some advice and I can point you in some good directions. Hire a good realtor, too. Besides, <laughs> besides the weekend, you can hear Josh with Bruce Hooley every Monday at 6 p.m. for Money Mondays on 98.9 The Answer. This is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick, and you can catch us every weekend at the same time. Josh, how do you work with people who want to avoid investing altogether because they see it as nothing more than gambling? That's a tough one. Education, number one. So I think sometimes we have preconceived notions about what investing is that has led us to believe that it's gambling. Maybe we've had a bad experience. Maybe we uh, didn't necessarily have a rules-based, you know, kind of analytical approach to it. We just one time maybe took a shot at a couple of stocks and it didn't go in our favor. And we said, well, that's the same as going to a roulette wheel. That's stupid. Um, and while I, I absolutely agree that just buying two or three stocks kind of uh, on a whim is not necessarily the most logical idea, and I would compare that, to, it's very analogous to gambling. Um, that does not mean that investing as a whole is similar to gambling. Um, so education number one, explain the different ways that you can quote-unquote invest. And the stock market is not the only way to invest. We just got done talking about uh, investment real estate is a way to invest. Um, annuities is a way to invest. And there's uh, depending upon which annuity you pick, there's no potential for loss. So you can't call it gambling if there's no potential for loss. Um, using hedged investment strategies, meaning you actually know what your downside risk would be, and you can kind of adjust that wherever you feel comfortable, you know, preventing yourself from losing more than X percentage if it goes the opposite direction, but at least giving yourself some upside potential. Uh, and we all know that the stock market over time is usually uh, a very strong upside potential vehicle. So education, 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 and then also explaining to, for most people, you have to take some risk in your life, or you're going to have to save a tremendous amount of money to achieve the same objective if you ever plan on retiring. So again, that comes down to education, running a plan, showing the difference, showing hedge positions, showing other investment opportunities or products, vehicles, whatever you want to call them, that would enable them to achieve their goals while minimizing their risk to the desired level that they have. Um, so I, I think you know, I've said education probably about 19 times now, Diane, but I think that's critical. We're having a drinking uh, game. Unknown, that's okay. Yeah, good, good. The unknown is terrifying, right? And it should be. Uh, don't do what you don't understand. So my job is to help you understand so that you feel comfortable doing just that. And, you know, I love the stories about if you had invested, you know, in Coca-Cola this year, you would have this much in your bank account. It's with a compound interest when people really understand that concept. Um, they're definitely more apt to definitely try investing because isn't it the best way 
um, you know, to increase wealth. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, a penny saved is a penny earned, the old adage, right? Yeah, I mean, compounding interest is one of the most powerful things on the planet. And it's very difficult to even understand until it starts really building momentum. But if you can imagine, you know, how much money you would have made over the last couple of years, uh, even just putting your money in the market, the more money you have, the more money you return. And the only way you get to that money uh, is by a little bit at a time. So you just got to get people on a rules-based, consistent approach at a level of risk that they're comfortable with and make sure they have the education to understand why things are doing what they're doing and then just repeat, 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 right? Rinse, repeat, and you'll end up in a very, very good spot. And dollar cost averaging is a great way for people to kind of absorb the highs and lows of the market. So dollar cost averaging, you know, the the concept of dollar cost averaging is I'm going to buy shares of a company. Sometimes it's going to be low, sometimes it's going to be high. But if I do it consistency over consistently over time, you know, once a month, twice a month, whatever the, the, the interval might be, that my overall share price uh, over time ends up being more advantageous to me. It ends up being lower because I'm buying oftentimes when it's low, even though my emotions probably wouldn't have allowed me to do it at the time. Now, I can tell you through experience, Diana, I have uh, several clients that are very adamant about being able to time the market. They're going to be the next uh, you know, Warren Buffett or Ray Dalio, and th- they know what they're doing. But they're also going to do some dollar cost averaging on the side, be consistent, et cetera. And I'll tell you, Diane, without, without avail, the dollar cost averaging side ends up winning in the long run 99.9% of the time. It is incredibly difficult to time the market. It's incredibly difficult to convince ourselves that there isn't something cooler that we could buy with the money as opposed to put it in the market. It is almost imperative to long-term success to automate your investing. While you're working, save every single month, every single pay, every single year. Just keep on continuing to blast money into your investments, regardless of what the economy is doing, whether it's up, whether it's down, continue to invest. That will be the greatest predictor of your success in the long run. Now, that does not exonerate, Diane, the importance of time-tested investment strategies, ways to minimize risk, ways to maximize gain. One fund isn't necessarily equal to the other. Uh, having somebody working with you to kind of keep you in the rails uh, or st- keeping you in your lane, meaning as of late, you know, the economy's done nothing but shoot up like a rocket ship, and sh- certainly tech stocks have led the charge. Uh, is that a, you know, does that mean that we run to tech and start throwing all our money in there because we're trying to chase that return? My job to tell you not to do that and to show you uh, how we might want to be a little bit more contrarian than that or go the opposite direction. Meaning, you know, we want to buy low and sell high, not buy high and sell low on the on the correction. So, you know, again, I'm not saying automate and be brainless and just set it and forget it. What I'm saying about automating is don't try and time the market on your contributions, but still definitely get a financial education, invest in the right things, manage that appropriately, work with a, a fiduciary to come up with a logical plan, et cetera. But automate, automate, dollar cost averaging, repeat, repeat. It is hard to ignore how well Bitcoin is doing. It almost sounds like a multi-level marketing scheme. I I mean, all my friends are telling me how much they're making. They're telling absolutely everyone. What are your Mm -hmm. thoughts on Bitcoin? You know, another question I get a lot. Uh, Matter of fact, today, um, you know, I got an email from a friend or a a text rather from a friend saying, you know, take a look at this. This is more information on Bitcoin. So, you know, I'm not immune to it either. I, I see plenty of stuff. And my answer to that would be blockchain technology and the concept of cryptocurrencies are certainly here to stay. And it definitely appears as though Bitcoin is leading the charge 
and the most established of all of those. You know, you have others out there like Ethereum and et cetera, et cetera. Um, and the, the concept of Bitcoin is that of essentially uh, online gold in a way. And that there's a, at least for Bitcoin, there's a finite supply and then it's driven by demand. And the reason people are so interested in it is because the U.S. has obviously uh, made the decision that it's going to continually print money and inflation is a huge risk. So the way that we can offset inflation is through Bitcoin. Now, there's been similar instances in our history where gold has acted very similar to the way that Bitcoin is going right now. So my concern isn't that Bitcoin's going away. My concern isn't that uh, it's a poor investment in the long run. My concern is volatility. And we've certainly seen a lot of that. Um, so, you know, I, I have no problem with clients allocating a percentage of their resources uh, to Bitcoin or to cryptocurrencies. But I think that with all things that go crazy, uh, you know, like the GameStops, the Bitcoins, the, you know, AMC theaters, the, the silvers of the world that, you know, went up like a rocket ship in two days uh, just recently here, there's don't get too overweighted in anything. And anytime something like Bitcoin occurs where people are getting, quote unquote, rich overnight, I get very concerned about people putting the lion's share of their assets in them to try and double down. And that refers back to one of the questions you asked me today is, you know, is that gambling? Yeah, that is gambling. That's uh, that's getting a little too crazy. But don't don't dodge it and don't uh, don't put your head in the sand. Don't don't sleep on cryptocurrencies. They're here to stay. To schedule an appointment with Josh and go through the Aptus Blueprint process, the number to call is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. When we come back, more with Josh Pick. You're listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show. To create a successful retirement plan in today's economy, it takes a customized, solutions-based approach. At Aptus Wealth Management, founder Josh Pick calls it the Aptus Blueprint, and it's focused on managing risk instead of chasing returns. If you're working with another advisor or simply want a second opinion, put his team to work for you. To schedule a complimentary consultation to learn more about the Aptus Blueprint process, contact Josh at 614-364-7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. There is no cost or obligation, but space is limited. To start your plan, call 614-364-7300. 7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. Josh, for people that have uh, or to have more flexibility in retirement, bringing additional income is definitely one way to do that. But how about finding ways to get financial freedom by minimizing uh, the taxes, the chunk that Uncle Sam takes? This is hugely important and probably the most often overlooked piece of investment planning that there is. And the reason that it's overlooked is many times clients are left kind of holding the bag. They go to their investment advisor and say, what's the most efficient way we can plan for my retirement from a tax perspective? And they say, I don't do taxes. Go talk to your tax pro. And you go to your tax pro and you say, hey, I'd really like to invest in the most tax efficient way possible and draw my income in the most tax efficient way possible. What are the best investments for that? They say, I don't do investments. Go back and talk to your investment professional. So you're, you're left trying to interpret two languages between two separate people. And oftentimes, as a result, Uh, no viable, strong plan is made. When in reality, uh, taxes that you save on your investment income is no different than interest earned, in my opinion. You know, it's not what you make, it's what you keep, right? 
So the goal in retirement income planning is to achieve the most income that we possibly can in the most tax efficient way that we possibly can. And the way that it should be done is we find out how much income you need, the resources that you have to achieve that, and then find the blend of where to draw that money from before we determine what investments we should put in those categories. Let me give an example. Most often I hear people say that when they come in, I'm going to use my IRA until it runs out, and then I'm going to use my Roth IRA until it runs out, and then I'm going to use this one until it runs out, when the reality is they're all taxed differently. So it may make sense to pull some of your income from your traditional IRA and some of your income from your Roth and some of your income from an investment property, et cetera, list goes on. And that secret kind of mix uh, might lower the taxes on things like your pension, your Social Security, et cetera. So you have to figure out the perfect blend. And then once you figure out what the perfect blend is to minimize your taxes, well, then that really dictates um, or points in the direction of where you should have your money invested within those vehicles. Because an IRA is not an investment. An IRA is a line in the tax code. A Roth IRA is not an investment. It's a, it's a line in the tax code. We can put any investment we want in any of those vehicles. For example, a 401k is literally line 401 subsection K, the tax code, that says if you work for a private entity, this is your investment vehicle to put in pre-tax pre money, gross tax deferred, pulls out tax-free. The same thing is true if you're a public employee. It's just called a 403B. For all intents and purposes, Diane, it's the same darn thing. But I think oftentimes what we're most worried about, particularly investment advisors, is talking about how we get the greatest rate of return. Everything's about return. The return is definitely important, but it's not everything. Everything is how do I generate predictable income in the most tax-efficient way possible that will last for the rest of my life and accommodate for inflation. Uh, so very important that we develop a plan that does just that. And in our office, we focus purely on retirement income. Um, so if you're looking for the best way to fund uh, college planning, we're probably not the right fit for you. If you're looking for the best way to fund your disability, disability income uh, uh, insurance policy, we're probably not for you. But if you're looking for a way to grow your assets in a predictable fashion, generate income for the remainder of your life in the most tax-efficient way, and then pass the remainder to your children or your beneficiaries, whoever they might be, then that's exactly what we do and what we focus on. You know, we definitely take into account taxes, I guess, is the, the short answer, Diane. Did you hear that they have hired more auditors? The IRS has hired a ton more auditors than they have in any other year. Really, I did not, I did not know that. But clearly, you know, if you look at where our country and our economy is, the most logical place to try and get money would be through audits, right? Keep people honest and get more tax money. Um, the unfortunate part is while the auditor base is growing, the question answering base is shrinking. You know, it wasn't that long ago where the average IRS call got answered in a matter of minutes. Now, I don't know if you've called the IRS anytime recently, but you might as well just take the day off of work and sit on hold for a while because you're going to be there for a bit. So, you know, I don't know that I agree with the direction of the way the IRS is going, but uh, it's something you have to prepare for. You better have your ducks in a row. Make sure you're not trying to break any rules. Play by the rules, but use the rules to your advantage. And that's what we do here and through our uh, subsidiary friends at you know, other tax professionals as we work closely together with uh, tax professionals and attorneys to make sure that we have the most advantageous plan for our clients. The number to call is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Josh, speaking of taxes, what are some of the new wrinkles this year that people will have to keep in mind when filing? 
Well, remember at COVID, we had, you know, a couple of acts that came through. You know, the CARES Act was one of them. And the CARES Act allowed people to take uh, up to $100,000 out of qualified accounts before the age of 59 and a half without that normal 59 and a half, 10% penalty. And not only that, it went further to allow people to pay those tax liabilities over a three-year window, which is hugely advantageous uh, if you're in a situation where you need those funds. The downside is for many people who aren't in retirement, um, who are younger, obviously pre-59 and a half, they've never received, uh, in many instances, a 1099 at the end of the year, and they've never had the tax liability from any sort of qualified plan withdrawal. So first things first, I would say, is make sure you don't just throw that 1099 away. Know that that is hugely important that you file that. Penalties are could be very, very significant. And you want to get on that payment plan over the three-year window um, on time. So make sure that you file those and pay the taxes for the first year's liability on that. Um, and you will receive, by the way, Diane, what's called a 1099R uh, for retirement. Make sure you look out for that if you were in that situation. Um, the other one that was big but something to pay attention because sometimes our, our you know, our kind of our thought process is short-sighted, is that many people didn't have to take a minimum required distribution in 2020. Um, or really, most people didn't have to take one. But some people did anyway. Um, and some people uh, paid it back in time. There was a threshold where you could pay your RMD back. You already took it. You did decided you didn't want it, so you can pay it back. Make sure you file the necessary filings to um, keep track of that so you're not taxed unjustifiably on it. But then moving forward, remember, it's 2021 now. Uh, a lot of people uh, paused, pushed the pause button on automatic RMD distributions. And what I mean by that is when you reach 72 now, because it used to be 70 and a half, now it's 72, the government requires that you take a certain percentage out of your qualified plans, i.e. 401k IRA. And most people uh, that don't need the money just go ahead and automate it with the institution. They say, just send it to me, send it to me in December. Uh, I want to make sure that I stay in the good graces of the IRS because the penalty for not taking it is 50%, which is a huge penalty. I think the biggest one I've heard uh, as far as you know, forgetting to take some money. So I want to make sure that I don't forget that. But then 2020 hit and they didn't have to take it. So they called the institution and said, you know what, just pause that. Well, I want to make sure that the institution unpauses it next year because I have to take it. So just stay up to, up to date on that and make sure that you take the right uh, distribution in 2021. And also note that, again, we were talking earlier, you can donate those uh, required minimum distributions directly to a charity of your choice should you choose if you don't want the money. And that's a way to save on taxes. But those are really the two big things um, that jump out to me is the CARES Act and what happened with qualified plans, making sure that you file for those appropriately for 2020. Our producer, Mike, had a good question about the stimulus bill. Another one just got passed. How do you feel about those? Do you feel that they stimulate the economy? You know, I just had this conversation today with uh, somebody else, and, and here's my response to that. I think stimulus packages are incredibly important, uh, particularly in times of need. We certainly need to put a Band-Aid on some issues. That said, the cure has to match the ailment. And I believe that uh, a lot of these stimulus packages are Band-Aids on gunshot wounds rather than Band-Aids on manageable wounds. They're not causing the underlying problem. And much of those uh, aid packages are not going necessarily to the, to the uh, recipients that we think. If you look at the most recent one that was passed, um, it works out to about $6,000 per person that we're saddling with debt moving forward. However, the payment amounts are $1,400 for some people. The remainder is going to bail out pension funds, going to bail out companies, going to a whole host of things. 
And while I think that will stimulate the economy in the short run, if we don't fix the economy uh, systemically, uh, a lot of times the result of these stimulus packages are creating a bigger bubble or a bigger potential collapse in the long run. That's not to say, Diane, that I believe that we're heading towards impending doom and the market's going to collapse. I don't believe that. But I do believe that if the underlying problem could lead to a disaster in the way of an economic downturn, that putting free money into the economy will make that larger. So I think it's something we have to take into account when we invest. Um, in the interest of time, I can't get too much more into it, maybe next week. But uh, I think they're they can be hugely beneficial, but also hugely detrimental in the long run. And a lot of people look at it, and I don't know about your clients, it's like, here's another stimulus package. We're just going to end up getting taxed more. Automatically, that's what everyone's thoughts are. Yeah, I mean, the, the huge one that I hear oftentimes is, how can we just keep on, I mean, it's $2 trillion, basically. Where are we getting the money? Well, we're borrowing it via printing, right? So will that lead to inflation? And uh, I saw that, uh, you know, Secretary Yellen came out uh, recently and said, no, I don't think it'll lead to inflation. And by 2022, everything will be back to normal. I hope she's right. But that's really leaning on the fact that we believe the U.S. dollar will remain incredibly strong versus other worldwide currencies, because you can't just keep printing money and keep borrowing money without inherent inflation. So I hope that Secretary Yellen is accurate, but I am concerned about the potential impact of future inflation and also incredibly low interest rates and their impact on retirees. So all of these things are conquerable, by the way, Diane. So oftentimes it sounds like I'm doomsdaying here. That's not the case at all. It just, uh, we have to take them into account and plan accordingly. Any word you hear about the tax deadline being extended to July, such as last year? Uh, I haven't heard anything, but that doesn't mean that it won't potentially uh, end up coming true. But I, I don't believe so. I think, uh, I think it'll stay the way that it is. Would that, we'll see. Would that help retirees if it did? I mean, it would help me, but would it help retirees? <laughs> no, I mean, and you always have the opportunity to file an extension. I don't know how it, I mean, your taxes are your taxes. It's just a matter of when you can get them done and filed. The only reason that I would see that being an issue is if a lot of institutions and companies uh, put a lot of pushback on the IRS and the government saying, because of COVID, we haven't had the ability to reconcile our books to get out the necessary forms to people for them to file their taxes. And it doesn't, at least on the surface, yet appear that's going to be the case, but we'll see. Besides every weekend, you can also hear Josh with Bruce Hooley every Monday at 6 p.m. for Money Mondays on 98.9 The Answer. This is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. Let me give Josh's number one more time if you would like to give him a call to schedule an appointment. The number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. If you miss the interview with Bruce, you can hear it on Josh's website, which is aptuswealth.com, A-P-T-U-S-Wealth.com. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with host Josh Pick. Josh helps guide his clients through retirement by managing risk instead of chasing returns. He calls it a blueprint, and you can get started at no cost or obligation. Give the team at Aptus Wealth a call today to schedule your consultation at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300 or online at aptuswealth.com. That's A-P-T-U-S wealth.com. To learn strategies to manage risk in the new economy, join us again next weekend right here at 98.9 The Answer.
Any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed income streams refer only to fixed insurance products. They do not refer in any way to securities or investment advisory products. Fixed insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the claims paying ability of the issuing company. 